Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Amen, amen. Woo. We praise God for all that he has done. Oh, what a, what a joy uh, this morning just to be together and worship uh, to our King. And we are looking uh, expectantly for uh, his return. And uh, I want to just jump in quick today. If you're a guest with us, we're, we're so grateful that you're here. You'll see some, uh, some welcome cards in the back of some of the seat uh, cushions along the way. And uh, we'd love to just connect with you. If you're uh, a guest with us, we'd love to send you uh, just some free resources and give you a gift as you leave. You can turn that into one of our, our host team. And again, we're so grateful that you've joined us uh, today. And we're going to jump right in. We're, we're walking through the book of Philippians as a, as a faith family. And we're uh, today, we've landed in verse 17 through 21. And I want to invite you uh, to stand uh, in honor of the reading of the Word of God, I'm going to preach a message today uh, called Living This Day, uh, looking eagerly uh, for that day. And so uh, as we read these scriptures, uh, l- we want to think about this thought this, that we're living this day, looking eagerly uh, for that day. And I want to I go back a little further uh, from where we, we were at last week and read beginning in verse 12 uh, through the end of the chapter. You'll see the scriptures on the, uh, on the screen as well. Uh, And uh, we see uh, the verses begin in this way, beginning in verse 12. Uh, The Apostle Paul says, Not that I already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for, for which I also was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk, of whom I often told you and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things, for our citizenship is in heaven. Amen. From, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. Will you pray with me? God, we are thankful. Lord, that through the finished work of the cross, Lord, that you have completed the work. Lord, that we can be transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of Of Jesus, Lord, we're thankful, God, that because of what you've done, God, not because of anything that we've done, Lord, that you've made a way for us to be right with a holy God. And Lord, I pray today that you would help us to see, Lord, that you've called us to live this day in light of that day. God, that you've called us to live now in light of then. Lord, that you've called us to to live in the midst of this broken, sin-cursed world, Lord, as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. 
And Lord, we pray that you would help us today to see your plan for that, Lord, to see your provision for that. And Lord, that we might walk in humble obedience to all that you call us to. Lord, in Jesus' name, uh, amen. You may be seated uh, this morning. Uh, You know, I I was thinking about the Honduras mission trip that we'll be taking in uh, just a few weeks. And one of the things that we uh, always think about and always have to make sure everything is uh, all put together for when we're going on a, a trip like that is to make sure that our passport uh, is ready to go. We're always talking about making sure that if you haven't got one of those, that you've ordered it. How many people have been through uh, getting a passport, right? And you've been through that. Uh, you know that when you have a passport photo made, like we had some trouble at the first one because like you, like you want to smile, like I'm just a smiler. That's what I do. They're like, you, you can't smile, like I'm smirking a little. And they're like, no, stop it. And then when they tell you to stop, it's even harder not to smile, right? And so you have to do that. I've got, I've got a picture of my passport uh, that you'll see on the screen. Now, that wasn't a joke. That wasn't a joke. That was just an illustration. But we appreciate your laughter. Now, this is, uh, this is a solemn look. Now, there's a couple things about my passport you'll see. It, it was in 2015, and there's some hair uh, that was there, right? It's a, it's a distant memory. But... There's also something else that you might notice. The USA part acts like a toupee. It covers up the little bald spot that I had. So uh, while some people don't like their passport photos, I love mine. I'm excited. I'm keeping it forever, right? And so we, we have this, right? And, and you have this passport. And when you go into another country or when you go into the airport or you're in that, they'll ask you for this passport. And this passport uh, gives us some proof of citizenship. It, it says on that passport, when you read it, I say it's my passport, but on the passport, it says it belongs to the United States of America. And then it can be taken. It gives all these different uh, pieces there that it belongs uh, to them. But when I have this passport, if, if I'm in Honduras in a few weeks or if we're in a different uh, country, it, it allows us to see that I'm on a trip there, uh, but that I belong somewhere else. Now, when we think about this passport, these people that Paul writes to in Philippi, uh, they lived in Philippi, but their citizenship, right? They were citizens of Rome. They, uh, they belonged somewhere else. They re- resided in one city, but they had citizenship somewhere else. And he speaks to those in Philippi, those, those saints, we read in the, the first chapter to the saints who are at Philippi, and, and he speaks to them, and he speaks to us, followers of Jesus Christ, with this reminder uh, today that we are living here on earth. And I'm so thankful uh, to, to, to live where I do. I'm so thankful for the freedoms uh, that we afford, but I'm reminded that when we live here, we are a people living here, but we belong as followers of Jesus Christ to another place. The scripture says that our citizenship is in heaven. And when we look at this passage today, we want to see that the Apostle Paul is giving them some clarity that as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, that we got to be careful how we walk here. Now, first, our 2 Corinthians chapter 5 uh, in verse 20, we would see that not only uh, are Christians citizens of the kingdom of of heaven, but the Apostle Paul would refer to us, uh, he would write to the church at Corinth and he would say that they are ambassadors, 2 Corinthians 5.20, that they are ambassadors for Christ. Now, what is an ambassador, you might say? So this, this ambassador, this word uh, that's there, it's this picture of an officially designated representative. So this ambassador, this is someone who has been officially designated And they're authorized to speak in a foreign land on behalf of the country by whom they're sent. 
And so this is who you are in Christ. The Apostle Paul says that you are, that we're ambassadors for Christ. And we see that that Jesus would give the church, would give us our marching orders. We would see this in Matthew 28, that we're to go into all the world and to preach and teach the gospel. We're to, we're to baptize, we're to, we're, to, we're to teach them to observe all these things that I've commanded you. And, and he says, lo, I'll be with you wherever you go. We see this, this command of Jesus, but before he gives that command, he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And so here we are, followers of Jesus Christ, citizens of the kingdom of heaven, living in the midst of this world, ambassadors sent on mission, designated representatives of the kingdom of heaven, authorized by Jesus to go into this world and and to declare the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, proclaiming the truth of his word. This is who you are. Vance Havner would say that you are, if you're a Christian, that you are not a citizen of this world trying to get to heaven. You are a citizen of heaven making your way through this world. Now, as we think about that, we would recognize it's not easy to walk in the midst of the darkness of this world. It's not always easy uh, to live uh, in light of the kingdom of heaven amidst all the distractions of the kingdom that we live. Now, we see in this passage, God, through the apostle Paul, is calling the citizens of the kingdom to live and, and to replicate kingdom examples. Point number one, God calls kingdom citizens to replicate kingdom examples. Look at verse 17. He says, brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern that you have in us. Well, we see this call to follow those who are following Christ. Paul says, you can follow in my example. I love how the apostle Paul would word in 2 Corinthians, uh, excuse me, in 1 Corinthians, he would say, follow me as I follow Christ, that that we would see this call, that we would follow uh, his example. He would say here to follow those that are following Christ. Christ, he says, if we look in the, the previous weeks, he would say that you could follow uh, these examples and he would give us the example of Timothy. He would give us the example of Epaphroditus. And so he would say, you can follow these people, but there's an implication in that, that there are some people that we don't need to be following. So he says, observe those who walk in the same manner that we do. And, and I wonder who are we following? Who is it that is influencing our lives? And And then as followers of Jesus Christ, what kind of example are we setting? Now, they should be able to pick us out pretty easy. Followers of Jesus Christ should stand out in the midst of this world. They should be able to pick us out pretty easy. I was uh, at one of our folks at home, and as I pulled into their driveway, there was a, a tree in their yard. And as I looked at their tree, it was really easy for me to see what kind of tree it was because there were apples hanging all over it. Like, I didn't have to get my app out and look at a leaf and try to figure out and identify this tree. It's fruit told the story. Robbie Gallaty says that the fruit of one's life reveals the root of one's heart. And so we see by this fruit those people that we should follow. Now, God calls these kingdom citizens to replicate kingdom examples, but he also calls kingdom citizens to recognize counterfeit followers. Look at verse 18 with me. He says, for many walk of whom I often told you and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. Now, the, yeah, and, and the apostle Paul, 
he's brokenhearted over these people. He says that, he, that as he writes this, he tells you now, weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. Now, these people, I believe they would have been people that seemed to be walking with them, that Paul would refer to these people, and he would give them this call to be careful who they follow. Now, you know, this, this weekend, Sherry and I went on, or on Friday evening, the kids were at camp, and super grateful for our, our student ministry, and just a great week that they had at Snowbird, and just heard so many wonderful things about that time there, and so on Friday evening, uh, we had no kids, and we said, hey, we're going to go on uh, this waterfall sightseeing adventure, right? So we just head down toward Georgia. We Google waterfalls and we're just following Google Maps. We're just going to kind of check out this place, check out that place. We go to one and and, and as we're walking, uh, Sherry has a bad knee. And so we, we went to this one waterfall. And as we searched about it, it said it had the rougher trail of the others. And so we're going up through there and some of it's beginning to be uh, a little bit uh, kind of rocky and a place that I was worried she might slip. And so at times I'd walk beside her. At times I would uh, kind of be in front of her and there was this one point where the trail began to get a little rough and and I was walking in front of her and I looked back and I said hey do you want me to come back there is it better for me to be beside you right here what's the what's the best and she said no stay right where you are she said I'm watching everywhere you step and and I was marinating this passage and I'm reminded and as I was walking that day I was like I need to be really careful where I'm stepping where I'm walking and I'm reminded that parents, there are, there are little ones, there are those that are watching everywhere you step. For every one of us as followers of Jesus Christ, there are people who are watching where we step. And, and here's this truth. We see Paul encouraging to press on toward the prize. And, and as you're pressing on toward the prize, and, and young people, I want you to, to, to hear this. As you're pressing on to the prize, who you run with is so important. Who you're running with is so important. Every parent in this room, when I look at you and I see you in this room, every single parent, every single grandparent, you need to be very concerned with who your children are running with. You need to be very concerned. It's one of the, one of the, the greatest blessings of my life is to see uh, the friend group that, that my kids have. They're one of the greatest blessings that we have. And, and we continue to pray that God would put uh, godly friends around our kids, that we would see those kind of things. Because here's the truth. I don't know who said this, but I remember this statement that if you show me your friends, if you show me those that you're, that you're yoked up together with, if you show me your friends, that you can see so much about your future. You can see the direction that you're going. You can take the top five people that you text and that you are connected to, and you can see so much about the direction that you are going. And here's the truth that we see in this passage. God is a good father, and he is concerned about those that his children are running with. Now, we're called to go into the world and to proclaim the good news of the gospel. But he is concerned about those that they are following, those that they are running with. And if you don't have a group of spiritual people in your life that you are running with, I want to encourage you to take a step in that direction. It's wonderful to gather in worship together as the body of Christ, but there's something beautiful that happens when we gather in smaller groups and we gather and do life together with other believers. We want to, we want to be those kind of people. We need those that, that we could look up to. Married couples, we need those people that we can look up to uh, that are married and are walking in God's plan. We need those mentors in our life. And, 
And we need to be available to be those people for those that are walking. Now, when we think about these things, now, it, it's, it's dangerous sometimes in the way that we walk. Now, Sherry and I, uh, I spend a lot of time walking with her. We spend a lot of time together. Now, this, this adventure that we went on, we're following the Google Maps and we're going down this road. And I've been following down this. We, we didn't quite expect to be in all the places that we were at. And so I had my little car. It would have been a much better day for my truck. But we're, we're driving. And Sherry says, you know, when the kids, it was this little moment when we didn't have kids. And she said, you know, when the kids get a little older, we need to get us a Jeep. She said, this would be so fun. We... And, and then she looked at me and she said, honey, I love adventuring with you. And I said, oh, I love adventuring with you too. This is so good. And then we come around the curve and, and there's a little branch that is going across the, the road, this place to ford the creek. And, and I'm looking at it and I'm in my little car and, and I'm here and I've rolled down the windows. I said, honey, this is, this is kind of like a Jeep. And we rolled down all the windows and <laughs> so this is awesome. And, and we get to this little, this little place we're going to have to cross. And I stop and I look at it. And in my heart, I'm going, I love adventuring with you. And I'm like, you know, I, don't, I think we can make it. I think we can do this. And so, so I just give it some gas, right? Here's the picture of my windshield. Um, as we're... <laughs> yeah, that's a real life picture. Um, Sherry has a video of this whole, whole adventure. And so, so we're going through this, this. This is on my windshield. And, and I'm a little nervous. I'll be honest. Like, it was probably like in that moment, I'm thinking, this, we're going to walk. And, and by the way, uh, we had gotten in a place that there was no cell service. We were a long way from home. We were going to be walking. And, and here, Sherry captured a good uh, picture of my face as we're going through. <laughs> And if you notice, if you notice, it was a really bad idea to roll the windows down. It was a terrible idea. It was a terrible idea. But we adventured together. We survived. We made it. The car kept running. We are grateful, right? So we want to be careful, like, who we're yoked up with, right? We want to be careful who we're following. We want to do those kind of things. And then Paul says, Paul says, there are many that walk that are enemies of the cross. Now, these are those, they may have been part of the church of Philippi, and he says, uh, maybe they were part of this church at one time. Maybe they had fellowshiped among them. And Paul's weeping over them. And he says, they're enemies of the cross of Jesus. Now, evidently, these are people that might, with their lips, profess Christ. They might, if you were to look on their uh, social media profile, that they might have labeled themselves as a Christian. But Paul would say they are enemies of the cross of Christ. They, they would be people that would have no problem uh, with this uh, contemporary version of Jesus, with baby Jesus in the manger that has no lordship over their lives. They would have no problem uh, with those things, this, this not, not the Lord that they would submit to. They were people who would profess Jesus but would say, you know what, I'm going to live according to my ways. I'm not giving up my agenda. I'm not giving up the desires that I have. I'm not giving up my sin. Now, maybe they were people that that they were enemies of the cross. And so when they look to the cross, here's, here's the, the reality of the cross. The reality of the cross is that we are so sinful that nothing short of Jesus' death on the cross could save us. And the reality of that is offensive, right? There's this, there's this reality that we are so sinful that it required the death of Jesus on a cross in our place in order for us to be saved. And, and, and they were offended by this truth. They were, they were people, maybe they were proud of their own efforts. Maybe they were people that would say, you know what? I'm a pretty good person. I don't need the cross. I don't need this. I can do it on my own. But we recognize that it is by grace 
through faith in Jesus Christ, that we are born again into the family of God and become citizens of the kingdom of God. And they were offended by the cross, but the cross is our victory, right? The cross, Jesus would look to us and he would bid us to take up our cross and come and die. The cross is beautiful. And, and Paul would read and, and write about these and he would hear about these and he would weep over them. It would break his heart. And, and as he wept over them, we look in verse 19 and we see why. Right? It says that their end is destruction. Their destination is destruction. And, and I want to remind you today that there is a heaven and there is a hell. And people are either part of the kingdom of darkness or they are part of the kingdom of heaven. And there is no in between. And by default, I want you to understand that by default, we are in the wrong one. If, if you were to take a right in your scriptures and go to Colossians chapter 1, we see that the work of the cross, we see the work of Christ. In verse 13, we see that he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Their appetite, the scripture says, it, 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 their, their God is their appetite, right? Their end is destruction. Their God is their appetite. How do you distinguish these people? I saw that tree. It had fruit. It was easy to distinguish. How do you distinguish these people that, that Paul is referring to? This is what he says. Their God is their appetite. What rules them? Not Jesus Christ. Not Jesus is Lord. What rules them is their desires. What rules them is their stomach. If it feels good, do it. That's their motto, right? The most amount of pleasure, the least amount of pain. And here's what the truth is. As they try to find satisfaction in all the things of the world, they find out that nothing ever satisfies. There's a moment, right, as they walk in their sin that, that can be pleasure. But what we see is that the end is destruction. And they're serving a kingdom. And this kingdom is not the kingdom of God. They are serving the kingdom of self. And when we serve the kingdom of self, it's all about whatever pleases me. It's all about whatever would make them happy. They're serving the kingdom of self instead of the kingdom of heaven, whatever pleases God. And there's this contrast in this passage. And when people are serving themselves, when they are serving the kingdom of self, what we read in this passage is that their, their glory is their shame, right? It says whose glory is in their shame. These are people who are inhibited by nothing. Their attitude is to glory in things that are sinful, things that are shameful. They glory in those things instead of salvation, instead of glorification, instead of the promises uh, that we have to look forward to in Christ. They glory in their shame. Adrian Rogers, almost 25 years ago, wrote this about this passage. He said, what this world glories in, they ought to hang their head. But we have a generation today that cannot blush. Sin that used to slink down, behind, down back alleys now struts down main streets. And they are proud of their perversion. Paul says their glory is their shame. Their affections are of this world. Their affections, their desires, they are set on earthly things. Their mind, he says, are, is set on earthly things. For them, the Bible is not as important Right, The good news is not as important as the nightly news because everything that is important in their lives has to do with this earthly kingdom. Right, They prefer Xbox and social media and all these things over the study of Scripture. And 
we know this reality that even as followers of Jesus Christ, that, that the enemy uh, can distract us. And, and there's a world system that is set to distract us from the things that matter most. Paul would write in this chapter, he would say this one thing I do, pressing on. He said, there's, an, there's one thing I do that is above every other thing. And here's the truth. You will not become more like Jesus, wasting your life and spending your life in trivial things that don't matter. And one of the great goals of our enemy is to distract us with things that don't matter, with things that are temporary. And what the Apostle Paul uh, w- would let us see, right, is that, that this flesh is also our enemy, right? We, we have the world, the flesh, and the devil, right? We, we wrestle in this battle. We, uh, we continue uh, t- to recognize that, that we are easily distracted. It's easy for us to get caught up in this kingdom of this world that we live in and to be distracted by the pleasures that it might bring. But I love the statement that Martin Luther made. He said there were only two days on his calendar, this day and that day. And as we look at verse 20, I want to remind you that God calls these kingdom citizens to reside in the present in light of the promise. There's been a bunch of heavy stuff that we've read about. There's been a bunch of heavy truths that we see But what I want you to see in verse 20 is the best is yet to come. Like we have so much to look forward to. Verse 20, the scripture says this, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Kingdom citizens, they are hungry for heaven. They eagerly await the Lord. Uh, Whenever we get home, we've got a little dog named Dash, and whenever we get home, you've never seen anybody more excited or anything more excited than that little dog is when we get home. He is eagerly awaiting us to get there. He is eagerly awaiting uh, our arrival. And when we read this passage, it's this picture of the head looking away. Literally in Greek, it gives this picture, or or it would read the head looking away. And so there's this distraction uh, that we have, that we, citizens of the kingdom of heaven, that we are longing for the return of Christ. We are longing to be in his presence and we are distracted. We are heavenly minded people eagerly awaiting the king. We are eagerly looking for the return of Christ. And for followers of Jesus Christ, when we hear of the return of Christ, it is a beautiful thing. It is something that we're rejoicing. It is something that we are are excited for. And for those that don't know Jesus, it is a fearful thing. But we are looking eagerly We love him. We desire him. We eagerly await the king. Our lives are not fixed on these temporary moments, but on the king. And look in verse 21. This is some great news. It says, he will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. Because of who we are in him, one day we will be transformed to be like him. This chapter has so much truth in it. Verse 12, uh, we read that Paul says, not that I've already obtained it. He says, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. We see that Paul uh, points to his conversion, right? That we see that, that there was a time in Paul's life where Jesus saved him, where he became part of the family of God. We would read and, and he would write in Romans 5, we would see that we are justified by faith. We would see this picture in this chapter of justification, this time where we are declared right with God. When, when God frees us from the penalty of sin, this moment where God declares us righteous, not because uh, of us being good 
people and doing all these kind of things, but because of the finished work of the cross, because of the sinless, perfect life of his son Jesus, we are declared righteous. Paul says, I've not already obtained it though. He says in verse 13, he says, look, I've not... I've not laid hold of it yet. I've not already attained it. He gives us this picture of sanctification. He says, there's this one thing that I do in light of what Christ has done. I've been made right with God positionally. In that moment, we are made right with God. And then practically, the scripture says in Philippians 1.6, that he who began a good work in us will see it through to the day of completion in Christ Jesus. That positionally, we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. As Nick surrendered his life to Christ last week, positionally, he, he is made right with God. And he is been declared righteous. And as we talked this week, we talked about what it looks like to flesh that out and what it looks like to walk in that and what happens when you sin and you confess that sin to God and you seek his forgiveness. And Nick would say, hey, I've not already arrived. I've not gotten there. I'm not perfect. But he said this one thing that I do, that's what Paul says, I press on. There's this picture of sanctification where Christ is working in us to free us from the power of sin, this process where God is working in our lives to make True of us, practically, what's been made true of us positionally when we place our faith in Christ. He is conforming us to the image of his son. And then in verse 21, there's this incredible promise, right? That one day, like, like until Jesus returns, until we experience this resurrected, glorified body, we are not going to, to have attained it. We're going to keep pressing on. But there's one day when we will be made free from the presence of sin forever and that all things will be made new, right? What a joy it is to know that. It is the fulfillment of our salvation, the end of our Christian life when we leave this earth and we receive, we experience a glorified body in the presence of Jesus, never to be separated again, to be in his presence and free from the presence of sin. I love what the Apostle Paul says. He says he's going to transform our body from this humble state. Anybody in here just resonate and, and would say, you know what, I need this old flesh changed? Man, I need, like, like some of you, as we get older and, and as we get up, like I pulled a muscle riding in a car. I don't even know how I did that. Right? Like we work. Like, like we work, we have to put on all kinds of things to keep us from stinking. And every day we're, we're taking care of this old body and we're trying to keep it going. And, and here's the thing, it, it's perishing. It's going downhill. We're, we're, we may be working out, we may be doing all those things, but eventually, man, time catches up with us. Eventually, we, we can't outrun it. The Apostle Paul would say, though, the outer man is perishing. We recognize that. We see that. Some of y'all are retired. Y'all had to retire just so you could make it to all the doctor's appointments you got to go to. Right? It's, it's just the reality, right? The outer man is perishing. But what the apostle Paul would say is the inner man is being renewed day by day. That God is working in and, and, and through us. When we see this incredible moment, Paul would say in Romans 7, oh wretched man that I am. He said, who would deliver me from this body of death? But thanks be to God that we know that it is Jesus Christ who does that. Second Corinthians 5, 2, he says, for indeed in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. Hallelujah, I got another body coming. I don't know everything about what it's going to look like, but it's going to be good, and I can't wait. And, and I'm telling you, I'm going to have hair, or y'all are all going to be bald. I don't know. We'll see. 
but it's going to be perfect, right? It's going to be incredible. It's going to be amazing. And it's going to be all because of Jesus. And it is by his power. He says, by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. What do we do now? What do we do now, church? We live now in light of then. We look ahead. Titus 2, he would say that we are looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We live in the present in light of the promise. I can tell you the best is yet to come. I'm so thankful that the best is not what we experience now. If you looking for your best life now this side of eternity you will not find it but you will find hope that is beyond every moment that we can live not for the temporary pleasures of this world not for ourselves, but for the glory of God our priorities change we have a proper view of eternity we recognize that we live here that our life here is but for a moment it says that our life is but a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away we get our eyes fixed on the glory of heaven and we realize that it's just a blink that we are here and we begin to live our life for something greater for someone greater to declare the truths of of who God is he said we are ambassadors for Christ as though God was making an appeal through us we are sent out on mission for the glory of his name and I want to encourage you find a people who are running the race Find a people who have their eyes fixed on Jesus and then press on and run with them. Follow their example. Be an example to others, sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and press on. Reach and stretch with everything you have and know that it's all because of Jesus. We live this day in light of that day, knowing that everything we do this day is going to be worth it all when we experience his presence. And it's not going to be because of anything we did. We are not running this race so that somehow we can earn access into his presence. We're not running this race so somehow we can earn our way to heaven. We are running this race because of what Jesus has already done. We, we think about a young David who went out to fight Goliath. And I want you to know he didn't go out there uh, as a shepherd boy. He went out there as a representative of Israel. And when, they, when he slayed old Goliath, I want you to know that all of Israel rejoiced with him. And there was a greater David when Jesus came and he went to that cross and he stretched his arms out on that cross. He died in my place and in your place. And those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he died in our place, a representative of us. And we come today and we rejoice in the victory that has already been won. We rejoice in what Jesus has accomplished on the cross and we give our lives for the glory of his name. We gladly take up our cross and follow him. And so I ask you this morning, are you a citizen of the kingdom of God? Are you part of the family of God? Have you ever had a time in your life where you got in the race? Man? It's like Nick told me last week. He said, man, I'm ready to get in the race. Man, I'm never surrendered my life to Christ. I, I want to know that I have a relationship with Jesus. Uh, uh, would you be described by the fruit of your life as enemies of the cross or as those who are carrying their cross? And listen, we, we don't need to go another moment. We, we are looking and expectant for that day that Jesus would return. Man, I implore you, don't walk out of here and not know for sure that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that you have surrendered to Christ as Lord. We read earlier in Philippians that there's coming a day that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I'm not asking you today to make him Lord. He is Lord. 
I implore you today to submit to him and surrender to him as Lord. And the beauty of the gospel, we read some in 2 Corinthians 5, but the beauty is that he'll change us and he'll transform us and begin to work from the inside out. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, that he is a new creature. And behold, all things have passed away and old things have passed away and all things become new. He will make you new today and begin to work in your life to conform you to the image of his son with a promise that one day in his presence, all things will be made new. So I want to pray for us. We're going, to, we're going to respond to all that God has done on the cross in worship. If you have, have never trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior, I invite you uh, to surrender to him as Lord. Maybe you're here and you've never taken that, that step of obedience in baptism. Uh, and, and you would say, you know, you know, we would read of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch and he shares the gospel with him. And we see that the eunuch uh, asked Philip, he said, what, keep, what prevents me from being baptized? And he says, if you believe in Jesus with all your heart, you can. And the Bible says that they stopped the chariot and they went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and they were baptized. If you're here this morning and you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and you've never walked in obedience and baptism, I want to invite you uh, to, to, to go into these baptismal waters. Uh, you go home wet and you go home obedient. And it's a beautiful thing. We may even have some clothes to change into. But uh, be obedient to God this morning. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you, Lord, that the best is yet to come. God, that there's coming a day uh, that you're going to take and, and transform, Lord, just the frailty and the, and, the, and the humble state that we're in. And, Lord, we're going to be made like you. Lord, we long for that day. Lord, we lift our eyes. Lord, we long for that time when you will return and take us home. And Lord, we pray that every moment of our lives, every day, Lord, that we would live in this day for that day. God, we pray that in this moment, Lord, that there might be people who would take advantage of this moment. God, if you're speaking to them, Lord, if your Holy Spirit is drawing them, God, we pray they would surrender to you as Lord and Savior, to be saved, to be born again into the family of God today, Lord. We're not promised tomorrow, Lord. Help us to live this day, Lord, in light of that day when you will return and take us home. Lord, if there's anything in our lives that are hindering us from running well, God, if we're distracted, if we're following you, Lord, if we've been born again, if we're, if we're Christians, Lord, but we've been distracted by the things of this world, God, I pray this morning you would reveal those things to us, Lord, those places uh, that have become priorities in our life above you. And Lord, that we might, Lord, that we might leave here with one thing, Lord, pressing on, running. God, we love you. We thank you for your love for us. Do what only you can do in our midst, in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand in worship this morning? If we can pray for you, we invite you to come.